Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wi-Fi Now TV in association with RCR Wireless News. My name is Klaus Hetting, and I'm your host. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wi-Fi Now TV. My name is Klaus Hetting, and I'm your host. On today's show, the Internet of Moving Things, we've got Venium here. Venium is connecting vehicles and passengers with Wi-Fi. CEO found and founder of Venium, Jose, uh, sorry, Joao Barras joins us. Also, Smith Micro is working with U.S. cable giant Comcast to make it easier for consumers to connect to Wi-Fi. Smith Micro's Carla Fitzgerald joins us, join us right after this short message. All right, everybody, welcome back uh, to the show. And uh, got two great guests for you this week. Uh, Joao Barras from Venium and also Carla Fitzgerald from Smith Micro. They're gonna join us in just a moment for the interviews. And uh, just before we get into that, I want to share with you, of course, uh, my own personal plug, which is uh, Wi-Fi Now, the conference. It's coming up in Amsterdam on November 17th and 19th. We've got a great lineup of, spe of speakers there and uh, a lot of technology innovators in the Wi-Fi space. Go to wifinowevents.com slash Europe. Check it out and register. Early bird uh, rates expire next week, so this is a good time to get ready to go to Amsterdam. So, all right, I'll, I just want to set this up a little bit for, uh, for our guests from Venium. If you don't know Venium, it's about time. They have been winning awards and they're using Wi-Fi to connect vehicles into a giant wireless mesh. And at the same time, they're serving up Wi-Fi to consumers on buses and other kinds of public transport. It's a grand and visionary scheme to create an internet of moving things that has been receiving a lot of attention. To get to the bottom of that story, we've got Venium founder and CEO, Jean Barros, with us today. Bem-vindo, Jean. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Thanks very much. Jean, for those people uh, that are not familiar with Venium, can you give us uh, the short version of what you're working on? Sure, absolutely. So Venium builds networks of vehicles. So we basically turn vehicles into Wi-Fi hotspots and we connect them to each other and uh, to the internet. Uh, and this way, by using buses, trucks, vans, taxis, and all sorts of vehicles, we're actually able to build a mesh network that can cover an entire city. All right, so how did you get this idea in the first place? I know you guys started in Portugal and then subsequent, subsequently moved to, to uh, California, right? 
That's right. So as a full professor of electrical and computer engineering, I've been working on connected vehicles for more than 10 years now. And so Venium actually built uh, on all the research that came out of my research group and also all of my uh, co-founder, Susanna Sargento, uh, at the University of Porto and University of Aveiro. Uh, we teamed up with uh, Robin Chase and Roy Russell, who were the founding CEO and uh, CTO of Zipcar. Uh, and so uh, in January 2013, we first got uh, uh, funded and we started initially with a uh, small deployment uh, of about 60 taxis and then scaled it up to more than 600 vehicles, which is now the largest vehicular network in the world. So that network, that network is actually live right now in the city of Porto in Portugal. And, and would you say it's a, it's, it's a commercial operation or is it still kind of a trial or what? No, 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 absolutely. It's a commercial operation. So our uh, par partner uh, is uh, Vodafone. Uh, and so basically today we have 260,000 individual Wi-Fi users. Uh, to give you an idea, the a local bus company transports 300,000 uh, passengers a year, and we had 260,000 Wi-Fi users a year. So it's a, a huge percentage of uh, uh, people. Uh, and basically the network is doing two things. So one, it's uh, uh, offering free Wi-Fi with uh, sponsorship and branding and a fully managed mobile Wi-Fi service. But on the other hand, um, it's also using the vehicles as mobile sensors to gather all sorts of data uh, that we're able to carry uh, in a very cost-effective way to the cloud to power all sorts of smart city applications. All right. Do you, do you have any specific examples of what the data is used for in this case in, in Porto? Absolutely. So for one, there's vehicle data. So we're able to pick up onboard diagnostics, uh, but also uh, footage from surveillance cameras uh, and so on, and bring that to the cloud. Uh, we also place different environmental sensors because once the vehicles become Wi-Fi hotspots, actually they can become the uh, internet gateway for any other IoT devices that are Wi-Fi enabled and need to upload data. Uh, one example is sensors that we placed in garbage containers that can tell you if they're full or not, so that the vehicles basically ask the containers how much garbage they have. They send this information to the cloud and then the trash uh, um, trucks only need to go to those containers that are actually full. So these are some of the many examples that we're currently rolling out in uh, Porto. We also have projects in Barcelona and a number of them kicking off right now in Singapore. All right, I was just going to ask you about that. So, so presumably the, the model for you as a business is to replicate some of the success that you've had in in Porto doing this to other cities. Can, can you give us more detail on, on what you're doing in other cities right now? Sure, we already signed uh, uh, agreements with uh, five different uh, telecom operators and ISPs and three different system integrators. So our model is direct sales and direct delivery and that we engage with uh, fleets, both with passengers and fleets with the uh, goods and delivery services. Um, but then uh, we, um, and partner with the system uh, integrators and with telecom operators to actually provide uh, the service. And so we're a full stack company and that we have the hardware, the software and the cloud components. And so we provide the onboard units and the access points uh, and then provide uh, cloud-based management services for uh, all the data and connectivity that we offer to our fleet customers. Right, and, and so we've got obviously a lot of technology, detailed technology people out there, and I really want to ask you what technology you're using for this. I'm assuming that, of course, the public access part inside the vehicle would be Wi-Fi based, but for connecting the vehicles themselves, can you disclose some of that? 
Absolutely. So it's a heterogeneous network approach in that uh, each onboard unit, which is called NetRider, actually has multiple interfaces. So it's able to connect uh, through uh, Wi-Fi to the devices and also to the existing Wi-Fi infrastructure. It's able to connect through 4G LTE through the cellular network. Uh, but for the vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle, uh, communication and vehicle-to-infrastructure technology, we actually use uh, uh, DSRC or IEEE 802.11p um, and the beauty is that in Europe, uh, in the US and in other countries around the world, uh, there's a frequency band around 5.9 gigahertz band that is reserved for vehicles uh, mm -hmm. and underutilized. So this is free spectrum, unlicensed spectrum that only vehicles can use. Um, and so that allows us to greatly increase also the capacity and effectiveness of this type of networks. And so, so this technology is in-house developed by Venium, is it? Yes, it builds on 10 years of R&D, uh, also in collaboration uh, with MIT and Carnegie Mellon. And uh, we basically cover all the components that you require from connection management, doing handovers among all these different technologies, uh, delayed tolerant networking security, and so on. So today, you can enter any bus in Porto. You can start a Skype call or a YouTube video. And even though the bus is changing between all these different accessing technologies, all these different types of uh, Wi-Fi and cellular, we can guarantee that you're Skype uh, call or your YouTube video never breaks down. So there's a tremendous amount of handoffs going on here, presumably, yes. and you've got all that sorted out, which is super. Important. Absolutely. So where do you see this going? Uh, you know, for the future. I mean, presumably, if it works in Porto, then uh, every city will have a need for something similar. I mean, who doesn't want to be connected in a in a bus and be able to Skype and all of that? So the key is really that since uh, in Porto, for example, uh, in, in the downtown area, only 30% uh, of the traffic is going through cellular and 70% of the traffic is going through the existing fiber network and infrastructure, we're able to bring the cost down of offering pervasive Wi-Fi across the city uh, uh, by uh, at least 20, 12 times. Uh, and so we've seen a lot of demand, uh, uh, both from uh, telecom operators, also cities in the, that are uh, interested. Um, and so basically, uh, our goal uh, is to connect as many vehicles as possible. Uh, it's actually astonishing that there are 1.2 billion vehicles in the world and actually only a tiny fraction of them are, are connected so far. And I believe we're uniquely positioned to be the networking platform of choice for future transportation. And if you think about it uh, with Uber and Lyft and all the shared transportation in the future, uh, we're seeing a huge disruption. Um, and what all these vehicles and autonomous vehicles, electrical vehicles and so on have in common is, is that they will need to be connected and that's exactly where Venium wants to be. Fantastic. And as far as I know, you're the only people doing it, in, at least in this way. So it, it's, it's fantastic that you're doing this. Um, let's talk a little bit about the economics, because uh, my question is, who pays for this and what's the source of income? So is it, is it uh, carriers that are paying for this and, and, and serving this up as a service, a paid service? Governments perhaps involved? What's, what's the business model? So the business model is very simple. So there's a one-time sale of the hardware, and then there are monthly service fees for the cloud-based services. And mm -hmm. so the um, onboard units are paid by the fleets, the access points are paid by the backhaul providers, um, and the services can either be paid by the fleets or by branding and sponsoring uh, companies in the case of the uh, passenger fleets where you have a captive audience, and so you can actually provide advertising. Uh, and so what we found was that the fleets basically 
most of all want managed services. So if I own a fleet uh, with passengers, I want my passengers to have great Wi-Fi internet experience, uh, but I don't want to have to deal with hardware, SIM cards, cell data plans, software updates, and so on. All of that is taken care of for a fixed fee per month per vehicle. Uh, and the same thing to get the data of the onboard diagnostics or of the footage of the surveillance cameras and so on. Uh, all of that is in the cloud or in the information system of the fleet owner, and he doesn't have to worry about hardware, software, SIM cards, and so on and so forth. And we take care of all of that for a fixed fee per month per vehicle. And then there are some sharing options. Right. So the so the, the the fleet owner could be a private company. It could also be a government-run uh, bus system or or, or yes, transport and, system of some sort. Correct. Yes, but also service vehicles right. uh, like street right. cleaning. In many cases, uh, actually, even though these are public services uh, today, many cities uh, outsource this to private contractors and private firms. Um, and so, uh, depending on, on the geographies, these will be either private or public, but they all share the need to have all the vehicles connected. Absolutely. And, and so, when, when a consumer or a, a passenger, I should say, is in a bus, presumably it's a free service. So, it's, you were talking about ads-based or sponsored and so forth, but, but the consumer doesn't pay anything, right? No. So, uh, uh, the consumer sees a splash screen and then he's automatically online. So, in Porto, uh, we, we made it as simple as possible so that we could have as many people access it as, as possible as well. What we have found, Klaus, was that uh, um, now with larger density of vehicles, whenever they stop, they continue operating as Wi-Fi hotspots. And when they're parked, they also continue operating as Wi-Fi hotspots for several hours. So we actually have people on the street using our uh, mobile Wi-Fi hotspots uh, mm -hmm. to access the internet as part of the city's public Wi-Fi. Yeah. Is there a role for the, well, you obviously, I think you answered this question already. I mean, Vodafone is involved in Portugal. Do you see the carriers, uh, the mobile and for that matter, fixed carriers as a critical part of this? Presumably, yes. Huh? So initially, I have to confess that my uh, uh, approach was actually to just buy bandwidth and buy uh, access to fiber as, as, as needed. Uh, after we came out of stealth uh, earlier this year, uh, we had a, a massive interest, uh, both from carriers and cable operators. So we won the Wireless Broadband and Alliance Scale-Up Award, the Cable Labs Best New Product uh, Award, uh, um, Fierce Wireless uh, and Fierce 15. So, uh, and, and that brought a lot of attention and we realized that actually the telcos uh, and the ISPs were ready to move much faster uh, than, than we expected. And so right now we're actually closing one partnership with uh, uh, carriers and, and telcos one after the other and you'll see a number of announcements uh, uh, from now until Christmas. Great. So can you tell us where, we're, where we can experience the Venium uh, service next or you're not allowed to tell us yet? So uh, Singapore is, is being launched uh, right now uh, and, and we'll have more details uh, uh, for you pretty soon. We're also working heavily here in the US. In fact, we're, we're venture backed uh, by True Ventures and Union Square Ventures who are both uh, in, in New York and also mm -hmm. in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. So those, those are two of our targets. Well, it's a fantastic project and, and a fantastic technology that you have and Thank you, you deserve all the awards that you have won and it's great to have you on, show, on the show, Joe. And please come back and tell us more when you have more news for us, all right? Sure thing. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks, everybody. And now uh, on to our next guest, um, which has everything to do with connectivity management. Now, Wi-Fi and mobile is on a path of convergence, as many of us uh, know. And one of the most important pieces of technology for this are intelligent device client or 
device clients or connectivity managers that can steer your device towards the right Wi-Fi mobile connection. Now, one of the leaders, uh, uh, leading companies in this space is Smith Micro. They've been at it for years, and we uh, and they have also recently started working with U.S. cable giant Comcast to improve the Wi-Fi user experience. I'm very happy to introduce to the show Carla Fitzgerald from Smith Micro. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you, Klaus. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on board. So, Carla, for those of our viewers uh, who are not familiar with Smith Micro, uh, can you give us the, the two-minute version of what you guys are doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Smith Micro has, is a company that's over 30 years old, and we've been providing software solutions for wireless service providers, device manufacturers, and large enterprises uh, in a number of different areas. But our two focal points really are in helping service providers deliver an outstanding quality of experience for their wireless subscribers, and also focusing on creating new opportunities for service providers and enterprises to engage with their customers through their mobile devices. And so that involves a number of different types of technologies, things like device management, intelligent connectivity, as you mentioned, and we're gonna talk about today, analytics, um, and even things like location-based technologies and, and uh, visual messaging, a number of different things that we offer to help enable those goals for our customers. All right, very good. So there's a lot of interest right now, and in fact, also quite a lot of deployment. If I, going on in the area of intelligent device clients, connectivity management, and so on. And part of the reason for that is, is what I like to call the convergence between mobile and Wi-Fi. What do you think are the factors driving this right now among the carriers? Well, for the carriers, it's definitely largely driven by capacity management. Uh, as well as, you know, trying to make sure that they can maintain a competitive cost structure uh, as, the, as the market just heats up and becomes more and more competitive, right? So they need to be able to optimize all of the networks that are available to them. Many are deploying their own Wi-Fi networks as well as their cellular networks. Um, and in fact, um, several are also just taking advantage of public and private Wi-Fi uh, where it's available. So we'll talk a little bit about that later on some of our customers that are doing that. And, but I think there's a lot of trends that you've talked about, Klaus, a lot in your show on uh, driving the need for intelligent connectivity. Things like Wi-Fi calling, uh, you know, Wi-Fi first initiatives, um, the need to provide a great quality of service, though, is one of the challenges uh, that has to be conquered in order for those initiatives to really take hold. Because while there has been tremendous uh, investment in, in years of experience managing cellular networks and many of tools that are out there, the same level of, of, of manageability has not yet been made available and pervasive for Wi-Fi. So there there's, can be a disparity in quality that needs to be managed before consumers can really feel like it's a seamless convergence. Absolutely, and, and uh, we talked about this earlier, actually, bef uh, in before we decided to do the show. But you guys uh, posted a really strong first quarter result this year, and I understand this has a lot to do with your uh, your deal to supply Comcast with uh, device client technology. Can you tell us a bit more of how you're working with uh, Comcast on that and what that solution is all about? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Comcast is a huge, uh, has huge Wi-Fi hotspot deployment, as you may know. I think their latest numbers are something like 11 million or more than 11 million hotspots yeah. across the country. So they're obviously very committed uh, to this type of uh, solution for their subscribers. Um, in fact, an interesting thing, I don't know if you saw it, but they posted a blog uh, post after the Pope visited uh, Philadelphia here in the U.S., where Comcast, uh, their Wi-Fi network in that area was supporting 3.4 million Wi-Fi sessions during that period that the Pope was visiting, over 100 terabytes of data over their Wi-Fi network. So obviously for them, you know, they not only have the traffic uh, and, the, and the users on their networks, but they want to be able to ensure that they can continue to engage with their customers outside the home. Right. I mean, from a cable MSO perspective, they have a strong uh, presence in the home, in the office, et cetera. But they're utilizing Wi-Fi and, and, and wireless networks to maintain that relationship outside the home to their customers on the go. Our technology, which is called NetWise, uh, has actually been embedded in the Comcast Xfinity Wi-Fi application. So our technology is used as an SDK. Uh, to an application that was already in market, and it's helping to provide a number of uh, features. For example, radio control. So users, you know, you may have your telephone with the Wi-Fi uh, radio turned off because you were conserving battery. Well, you may forget to turn it back on again when you enter an area where there's a Wi-Fi network available that might have a better performance or, or uh, uh, you know, just might help you to save on some of your data plan, et cetera. So being able to have uh, the application automatically detect that you're in one of those areas, turn the Wi-Fi radio on for you, and then let you access in a very seamless, authenticated way. That provides a lot of value to their subscribers and helps Comcast and, and our other customers to kind of keep that relationship going with their subscribers. Yeah, so, you know, the millions of Xfinity subscribers out there are actually using the, your technology, although, of course, it's not branded Smith Micro is branded Xfinity. I don't know what the app is called, but that's actually what's happening. So you've got millions of people. Yeah. Yeah, well, we definitely, you know, we just started deploying this year, so I don't know the exact count yet, but in the Xfinity Wi-Fi app, it's available now on Android and now also on iOS. Mm -hmm. um, and so we have, you know, uh, users, anyone who's updating their application on those devices is having our SDK as part of that. And as you said, you know, Smith Micro is often the white label software provider for these service, for these uh, carriers and, and, and cable providers, et cetera, device manufacturers. So our, our name brand is often not seen and generally not seen, uh, but yeah, our SDK is in there and it's helping to uh, prioritize uh, Comcast access points for users right. based mm -hmm. on quality of service metrics uh, so that the user can be assured, you know, the best possible connection experience. But one of the important things that it's also providing is analytic data from the devices. You know, Jean mentioned earlier how important the collection of analytics is to his customers. And likewise for us, you know, analytics gives the service provider a look at the customer experience from the user's perspective, right? With the device they're holding and how they see the network performance throughput and latency and connection errors and any types of things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, operators and service providers, they have tools that run on their networks. 
But what about when the consumer's not on their network? What about when they're roaming on a partner network? What about they're on their um, private Wi-Fi somewhere else? You know, the types of data that can be collected from the device and used to make sure that you can plan for network coverage, that you can deploy service representatives, technicians where you need to, and really constantly have your finger on the pulse of the customer experience is critical in this competitive market. Absolutely, I think you're absolutely right on that. Let's. Um... Talk a little bit about Sprint because I know Sprint has been a customer of yours for a long time. Yeah, and that of course is a bit of a uh, obviously a different case because they're they're a mobile operator or mobile carrier, and they they also have uh, a client solution for you that connects them uh, to the right Wi-Fi when the right Wi-Fi is available and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, Sprint's been our customer for several years now. And, you know, they were one of the few operators in the world that was holding on to an unlimited data plan for their customers when other operators were offering tiered tiered only plans, right? And so in order for them to kind of maximize that competitive advantage of unlimited data, they really needed to make sure they could uh, take advantage of every network available, right? So they have, of course, their own, uh, their own networks uh, in the U.S. and they wanted to be able to allow users to very seamlessly and easily use Wi-Fi at home, at office, public Wi-Fi, et cetera. So they uh, use our application. Again, it's our NetWise application for, um, uh, for Wi-Fi offload and traffic management. And they implement policies uh, over the air to these devices that basically determine, you know, based on congested uh, locations or times of day that are more heavily trafficked than others, et cetera, that devices, again, will have automatic uh, Wi-Fi radio turned on to seek a high quality Wi-Fi network, make a connection. And of course the policy always considers if the connection quality is not sufficient, then revert back either to a 4G or a 3G network where available, right? So for them uh, and for all of our customers, user experience is critical and they're making sure that they're balancing network capacity with user quality. And we're very pleased and proud that our technology is running on millions of Android devices on the Sprint network and it's saving them millions of dollars both in network tonnage and in just that ability to have auto automated management of connectivity policies. Right, so the savings presumably are coming from uh, the fact that uh, Sprint, a Sprint customer can be uh, redirected to a Wi-Fi hotspot, a capable Wi-Fi hotspot, and then uh, offload the traffic to that absolutely. hotspot. Right. Absolutely. It's data offload savings, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you so, know, we've been talking about data offload for many years now. Um, and and it's funny how uh, in some cases there were a lot of operators around the world where that, that were in a little bit of denial. Uh, you know, they wanted to just hold on to that traffic on their network and they said 4G is going to be the answer to everything and, you know, there's no reason. But it's become clear that the user preference is for Wi-Fi in many cases where it's available. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, as you heard uh, Zhao say earlier, you know, his uh, end customer's customer, they want to be connected to Wi-Fi when they're on their vehicles. And we find ourselves wanting to be connected to Wi-Fi uh, where it's available and where it's high quality. Um, but you still have Wi-Fi congestion problems, right? And so it's not, Wi-Fi is not the sole answer. 4G is not the sole answer. It's ultimately going to be this heterogeneous, interoperable world as you described. And you've got to be able to manage quality on the fly because that's the nature of our industry. Well, I think it's absolutely right. And I think both Jean and yourself, yourselves are, are really good examples of how uh, bringing these various technologies together, of course, Wi-Fi and mobile uh, in, in, in their various forms to bring the 
best user experience to market. And I think that's a really good, well, that's a trend in the industry that we're seeing. And I think it'll carry on. Carla, we have, we have one graphic uh, that uh, we can bring up. And if you want to, you know, tie some comments to that, it's, I think it's a picture of your NetWise project, product. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know, you and I talked to Klaus a little bit about some of the advancements we're making with our platform. And while we have been in market for many years now with our our uh, Wi-Fi management, radio control, policy-based management, analytics, et cetera, you know, we're not going to sit still. We have to build on that to solve more problems for our customers. So there's two areas in which we're expanding the platform. One is in focusing on more real-time quality of service management. And by that, I mean not just dealing with quality one subscriber at a time, meaning if I connect to a network and it's not great performance and then my device automatically reconnects or looks for another alternative, but the idea of being able to collect analytics from a whole population of devices and use that data to automatically and dynamically change the connection policy on other devices in an area to actually avoid the bad hotspot, right? Whether the hotspot's having you know, congestion or backhaul problems or whatever, if you can avoid that connection in either gray list or blacklist or whatever you want to call it, you know, that hotspot, that helps the user to maintain a better experience and reduces the number of customer support calls you may be getting. Uh, from your customers. So we're working on more real-time quality of service management. We'll be making announcements about new solutions in that area in the future. Great, and we'll be watching that. I just had one comment to the slide, actually, one part uh, that I thought was really interesting, location event triggers. Is that Has that been around for a while, or is that also a new part of your... Yeah, that's relatively new as well. Um, we did make an announcement about our NetWise Captivate uh, technology earlier this year. And that's uh, I, on the concept and the focus area of building customer engagement through mobile. So we recognized uh, quite a while ago that the analytics we're collecting on these devices is really quite valuable to understand more about the user context, not just their connectivity experience, but their context, where they are, what they're doing, how long they're staying places, what apps they're installing and opening, et cetera. And where users feel that they can get better value from their service providers, whether it's a wireless service provider, a retailer, a brand they like, they're willing to provide information about their location and their apps and their usage, et cetera. If it can bring them value back, and create a more customized shopping or buying or value experience for them. And so that's what our new technology is doing. It's using information from the device, uh, not just location triggers through Wi-Fi, GPS, and beacons, but also things like dwell times, apps opened, and being able to offer brands, retailers, and service providers the opportunity to engage at the right place and right time under the right conditions with their subscribers. So it's it's moving away from that kind of mobile spam advertising mm -hmm. into a more targeted uh, approach that's based on consumer preferences and behavior. Well, I think that's the future, and I, I'm happy that you bring all of that up. And Carla, it's fantastic to have you on the show. Please Come back and see us again. It's been delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Klaus. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. See you. All right, everybody. That's it for this edition, the 10th episode of Wi-Fi Now TV. Uh, all there's left to say is to give you a little bit of information on next week's show. We've got provocative and brilliant analyst uh, and consultant Francis McEnany of North River Ventures 
in New York with us next week. He's got a fascinating view on how Wi-Fi is set to disrupt the mobile industry and many other things. He's a fantastic guy. I also have one more guest, but I'm not going to announce it yet before it's confirmed. So join us next week, same time, same place, right here on Wi-Fi Now TV, RCR, Wireless News. See you soon, and thank you for watching. Wi-Fi Now is a production of RCR TV News. To suggest a show topic or to learn more about Wi-Fi Now events, you can reach Klaus Heading at klaus at headingconsulting.com. To find out more about Wi-Fi Now and all things wireless, visit rcrwireless.com.